Good morning, friends. It is good to be with you this morning. And uh, if I could choose to be anywhere, I would choose to worship with you and see you virtually again. A couple of quick thoughts before we dig into today's text. Great teaching out of Paul we're going to look at in a few moments. Um, first of all, don't forget to vote. It's time to vote, and it's our duty, our responsibility as citizens of this great country. Uh, please don't forget to vote. doesn't matter really who you vote for, uh, but go and please vote. Today at 11.30, or 11.30 I'll be offering a Zoom new member class, and if uh, you've signed up with me already on that, that's great, but if you still want to get and be involved in that, Send me a text real quick, and I will invite you to that meeting beginning at 11.30. So we're now in Ordinary Time, Extraordinary Days. I've entitled this Preaching and Praying. It's really the dynamic that happens between the lectern and the lobby as we lean into the text and what that means for us truly on a daily basis. Let's read the text that comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I'll read the first 10 verses uh, follow along at home. If you have a Bible, open it up uh, as well. I'll give you a moment to get, uh, run and get that and open it up. Remember that thing that we used to read that wasn't a digital version called a Bible? It's a book, and uh, you can open that up. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. I'm going to come back and talk about that. That's a new formula for Paul. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God your work prompted by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, a formula Paul uh, writes and is famous for faith, hope, and love. Here it's faith, love, and hope. But in 1 Corinthians, it's faith, hope, and love. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that God has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, more importantly. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia in the whole region. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Acacia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for God's Son from heaven, whom God raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath, he will be coming. Thanks be to God, the reading of God's holy word. 
Well, a little bit of background before we just dig into some just good old-fashioned teaching this morning. So maybe a pencil, a pen, a Bible, your ears, your eyes, your senses, removing from distractions. This truly is a good message for us in the midst of a pandemic. When numbers continue to rise again, it's like a roller coaster. We thought we were off that roller coaster and we're getting locked back in again. It's hard to believe, but that's the situation that we find ourselves in. Paul was a circuit rider, and what that means is Paul would go into different little towns and cities, establish churches, develop leadership, do discipleship, and he'd move on somewhere else. And he established a variety of different house churches in different regions on his missionary journeys. He was what we would call in the early days of the United States of America, in a colonial period, a circuit rider. Someone who took everything that he had or she had with her, put it on a horse, and in those saddlebags they would go. Interestingly enough, you can still go to places in the United States today, and there are, quote, circuit rider pastors that are responsible for caring in small towns throughout different regions of the Midwest and the South and all over our cultural landscape. And it would look a little different. Paul walked, took a boat, circuit riders rode a horse. Today they might be in an energy-efficient car, uh, moving from church to church, preaching throughout Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and caring for people. And this is important because it comes out later in the text, and it catches us in our unique situation today. Paul, interestingly enough, in this text, is preaching and praying not at people. He's not telling them what to do. He's preaching as if he's one of the people. He's preaching with people. And he's trying to encourage these churches in the midst of fairly significant suffering. Notice in the text, Paul also believed in shared leadership. There was Paul. There was Silvanus. There was Timothy. Those are key names. But yet this letter, when it's delivered, Paul's not there personally. Paul is pastoring from a distance. Paul can't go back to the church in Thessalonica. And it's a great story because when Paul was there establishing this church and preaching, many people were responding to the message that Christ is Lord, not Caesar. Not the government, not the power players, but Jesus Christ is Lord. And they surrendered from the idol of Caesar worship to the idollessness of the living and true God. Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit infused, Creator glorified. And while they were having tremendous success, even into the countryside within these cities, as Paul and Silas were speaking and people were believing, there were those who stood in opposition to Paul. And it became so contentious, it became so vitriolic that Paul had to be ushered out of the city in the heat of the night because they, were, they feared that he would be arrested and thrown in prison. Instead, because they couldn't find Paul, Acts chapter 17 tells us that they found a guy named Jason and they nabbed him in the middle of the, of the night and arrested Jason instead of Paul because it was so contentious. And that is the background of the birthplace of this church. 
What I find so interesting about that introduction and cultural context of the day is this. Paul was pastoring from a distance. Paul wrote a letter to the church to be read to the churches that he had established because he loved them. And in the midst of a pandemic, when we can't fill these rows and we can't gather for coffee, it gets frustrating. It gets on our nerves. We get antsy. We let our guard down, and then people's lives are at stake. It's no different today because we're pastoring, we're encouraging from a distance. My hunch is if Paul had live streaming, he would have live streamed this letter. Paul pastored from a distance, and so must we. And so must we. I want to give three reasons this morning why preaching and praying is brave. Preaching and praying is brave. You might ask, why did I use the word brave? Last week, uh, as we always do, Dawn was watching our oldest granddaughter now, because now we have a youngest grandson, our oldest grandchild, Cora, who's three, almost three. She'll be three November 1st. And on this particular day, on Tuesday, they were late in the afternoon going to go to a new park, and Cora is between my Zoom meetings. Alfredo knows about these. Staff knows about these. Cora was, couldn't talk about anything else other than going to the park. I go to a new park. I go to a new park. Poppy, Nana and I go to a new park. Want to come? Want to come? And I'm thinking, yeah, I'd love to come, but I've got these Zoom meetings pastoring from a distance. Dawn came back from her park ex expedition with Cora, and I, I wish I was there. I wish I heard it. I just got it secondhand. But as they were approaching this new park that she had never been to, there were big areas for her to, to, to journey into and explore. And Dawn overheard Cora talking to herself, out loud yet under her breath, saying as she approached and saw what she was about to experience, she said this, I be brave, I be brave, I be brave. She was anticipating the adventure of the journey ahead, wondering if she could complete it. My friends, so are we. We anticipate our journey ahead in a virtual world. Can we complete this? We be brave. We be brave. We be brave. Through our preaching, our teaching, our instituting of the sacraments, and our praying. I mean, after all, our mission statement is to love all people to life, relational, relevant, and bold. What a powerful and audacious mission statement to have in the midst of a pandemic that is taking so many lives and causing so much pain and suffering. Thus, I be brave. I be brave. We.
be brave. Three reasons out of this text why preaching and praying is brave from a distance penned by Paul. Friends, first, I want to encourage you today. No matter what you think, no matter what you feel, no matter where you're at, no matter what your affect, no matter what your emotion, God is here. If you're at home, just say amen. God is here. Be, be Baptist. Be Pentecostal. Tell yourself the truth. God is here. Through the power of the Holy Spirit in the text, verses 4 and 5. God is in our midst. He's standing, God's standing right in the middle of this thing with us. As a three-year-old approaches a journey she's uncertain of, and as a 106-year-old church approaches a journey they too are, are, are uncertain of, as a country over 200 years old, old approaches a journey they are uncertain of, as a world approaches a journey over the course of thousands of years that they are uncertain of. My friends, we be brave, we be brave, we be brave. Why? God is here. Paul does some interesting word plays through the text to help signify this significant and profound change in the lives of these small church believers in Thessalonica. Back in that day, there was a geopolitical slogan, a political slogan. We hear a lot of them these days, and then they're approved by the speaker. <laughs> there was a slogan in Rome that went like this, peace and security. What did they mean by peace and security as a political slogan? It usually meant peace through having great military and security by making sure you have enough money. Paul turns that upside down in our text, and he says in the very first verse, he says this, grace to you and peace. Grace to you. Gratitude to you. And peace from the living God who is here in our midst. It's a radical change in worldviews. It means we no longer worship the idol of Rome. We worship the living and true God of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God infusing this transformation and change, this new world that we reorientate our lives to so that the Godhead would be, in fact, glorified. God is here. We be brave. We be brave. What I find fascinating in Paul's language here is early forms of this triad of faith, hope, and love. Or in our text, faith, love, and hope. Paul's already ruminating with the profound realities of a faith in Jesus Christ versus a faith in Rome. A hope that pulls us forward versus a hope in political change. A love that is not conditioned upon anyone or anything, but is unconditional. And throughout this entire text, and others in the Pauline writings. Paul surrounds faith, hope, and love with grace and gratitude. See, grace and gratitude, thanksgiving, is the soil in which faith, hope, and love bloom and blossom. Blossom. Blossom? Is that a word, Alfredo? Blossom is not a word. Blossom is. 
You see, here's what's, in, here's what's interesting. Without the living God in Jesus Christ, faith, hope, and love are in grave danger of stunted growth. Without grace and gratitude, faith becomes rigid and rule-oriented. And, and if you live like that for too long, your faith begins to get hard and crack because it's all about the rule of faith. It's, faith becomes rigid. Hope without grace and gratitude becomes nostalgic and based on the past and the traditions. There's no room for imagination. There's no room for the rope of hope to pull us forward to a new day. On the other side of a pandemic, on the other side of 107 years, on the other side of 230 years as the birth of a nation now matures. And perhaps worst of all, love has no root Love becomes conditional. Love becomes transactional. Love becomes, if you do what I do, I stay. If you don't, I leave. And Paul recognizes this dynamic in faith, hope, and love. And he's trying to help this church recognize that God is here. Because faith, hope, and love are rooted in gratitude, thanksgiving, and grace. When there's gratitude and thanksgiving and grace, then faith becomes vulnerable and real and goes deep. Hope becomes creative and imaginative and dreams new dreams. And love, love becomes unconditional where forgiveness is possible again and people can start their life again, which is the hope of the gospel of God in Jesus Christ. My friends, today God is here. God is here. God is in the midst of the suffering. God is in the midst of the groanings. God is in the midst of our antsiness. Why? All we got to do is we be brave. We be brave. We be brave and we preach it and we pray it until I be brave. Second reason our preaching and praying is brave is very simple. God's still active. God's still active. Oh, we might not see Him. We might not be feeling it. But don't mistake the apparent absence of God's presence as the presence of God's absence. That's too short-sighted. God is active and at work. Our text is strong in that. You see, these churches in Thessalonica and Macedonia throughout they literally were standing as an obstacle to the power of Rome and saying, we don't worship you any longer, Caesar. Caesar is no longer Lord. The Lord God in Jesus Christ is now Lord. That's where our loyalties lie. They turned the world upside down. And they were marginalized. They were in fear. They were anxious, but as they turned from those idols, they turned towards Jesus the Christ. And my friends, like those churches suffer, so do we. We miss each other. <laughs> we do. We want to buck the system. How do I get around it? How can I do this? 
safely. I read an article this week that um, the stress is actually physically taking its toll on people now. Dentists are going to make a killing on this one. Lockjaw TMJ is on the rise. Broken and cracked teeth. Digestive issues, to name a few. Melancholy, mental health, anxiety, and grief. Oh yeah, it's all taken its toll. But friends, we're encouraged to be grateful and thankful. Every time we think of the work of God in our life, just like Paul wrote to this church in Macedonia and Achaia, we're encouraged to be grateful and thankful. Don't forget the work of God and Jesus Christ in your life. It creates gratitude and grace so that faith, hope, and love can continue. And pray it and pray it and pray it and we'll preach it and preach it and preach it until we believe it, believe it, believe it. And we're brave, brave, brave. Because gratitude is a marvelous thing. Gratitude can motivate us as a people of faith to be more intentional and thoughtful in all of our ways that we talk to each other. We're softer. There's grace. It's unconditional love. Gratitude can motivate us towards greater sensitivity to, to the other and a deeper sense of the common good and common life that we share, not just in the United States, but globally around the world. There is a global heartbeat. God is as concerned about people right here in this room and who are listening to this as He is someone on the other side of the earth. We're all created in the image of God. Gratitude can motivate us to forgive and seek forgiveness, especially as each of us works to be understood and to, as we understand the other Gratitude can motivate us towards new ministries that spin out threads of intimacy and depth. And this attitude of gratitude, that's tweetable actually, have an attitude of gratitude, overflows because we imitate Jesus the Christ as this small church in Macedonia and Achaia did as well. Oh yeah. God is active. God still feeds people. God still allows His people to gather to worship. God still cares for each other through the ministry of the deacons. God still is, the, is providing blood through the Red Cross on this campus to anyone in North Orange County. God provides masks. God's providing food. The list is long and large. We're still here. We're still doing what we're doing, but it's technologically and virtually driven. We're doing ministry like Paul did from a distance. My friends, be brave, be brave, be brave. We'll preach it and pray it until it goes deep. Third reason out of the text why our preaching and praying is brave, it's pretty simple. God's the ultimate encourager. Friends, be encouraged today. God is here. God is active. God is encouraging you like Paul is to the church in Macedonia, like I am virtually from a distance, as Paul was from a distance. Be encouraged and be brave. Our headlines come not from the local news. One of the elders of the church sent me an email a week ago or longer the news headlines were getting down, me down, and he sensed it. 
He sent me a little devotional, and thank you, my friend, for that, and you know who you are. I get my news from heaven, not CNN, Fox, or ABC, or CBS. As followers of Jesus Christ, that's where we get our news. And that should be our encouragement. From the Word of God, in Jesus Christ, empowered by the Spirit, to the glory of the Creator of all living, moving, and breathing things. You see, God in this text, not Paul, is the ultimate encourager. It's not a person. It's not a pastor. It's not even a people. It's God. Why? Because God's here. God's still active. And it pulls us forward to a hopeful tomorrow. There's a... uh, there's a new sign on our front lawn. It's the headlines for PPC that we're going to blast out to the world. You won't see it on any of the local news channels. But it's the headlines from heaven. It's who we are currently. It's who we'll always be. It's who we live into becoming. And it reads this, Justice, Mercy, and Kindness. It's like a headline from the local newspaper that says, Justice, mercy, and kindness (laughs) now reign, not Caesar. I love that. That's the headlines outside of this little church. So my friends, again, to quote my granddaughter, and I'll tweak it a little bit, we be brave. We be brave. We be brave. Because God is here. God is active. And God and God alone is the ultimate encourager. For these ordinary, in this ordinary time and extraordinary days, that's why we preach and sing and pray. May it be so. And may you be encouraged. Because while our galaxy is traveling at a half a million or billion miles an hour, none of those truths will ever change. Because that's the way God is. We be brave in the triune God that we worship. Amen? Let's pray. May we stand up a little taller today. May our affect become a bit brighter this afternoon. Why? We be brave. Not because we pull ourselves up from our bootstraps, but we, because we remember what we sometimes forget, that you're here, you're active, <laughs> and you're pulling us forward, and sometimes you're pushing us along, but either way works. May it be so. For your glory and your glory alone, in the name of Christ, amen. And would you guys do what you do well, which is sing us out of here?